welcome to CruxCast, the show which holds court to high-quality dialogue surrounding the past, present, and future of media through the black perspective. We are produced by Crux, a black creative co-op at the intersection of black storytelling and immersive technology, and most deaf rooted in liberation, social justice, and joy. What is going on? I am Tunisia, your host, and it is my pleasure, as always, to guide you here on this podcast and, you know, throw in my occasional loud two cents. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's this, this whole podcast has been a, a real joy for me. Honestly, I'm not I'm not just blowing smoke, okay? Like I actually really have enjoyed being a part of this whole journey um, and creating the podcast for for Crux and and helping facilitate these conversations because we have really gone from NFTs and digital currencies and talk to me like I'm five, like what the fuck is that? Like all the way into having very conscious, sincere, authentic conversations with renowned groundbreakers in this space like Bill T. Jones of New York Live Arts. We've reimagined the future and what reality looks like in terms of media with innovators and futurists like Kamal Sinclair and Jessica Clark. We've talked about indigenous storytelling and artificial intelligence and predictive policing and how impact storytelling can really, really help use and shift technology as a utility for good in exposing the dangers surrounding things like this. And that being, of course, from the VR sci-fi project um, produced, co-produced by us and GRX with Alton Glass. This series is called POV Points of View, which premiered at Tribeca this past month at um, in New York. So all of these different conversations, all of these different themes and topics, it's so interconnected and it's amazing because the, the reveal, the information, the stories, the inspiration that comes from planting our claim, planting our imprint, reclaiming our narrative in traditional or immersive and new media, it's beautiful. But it's also very, very revealing because there is so much more that we can be doing to help empower and empower and, and, and build a foundation to sustain our future in this space. And that's why I'm really very, very excited to introduce the theme of this particular episode and the conversation that I had the pleasure of co-hosting with Joanna, also a fellow Cruxer. And that is the theme of embracing uniqueness digital sculpting huh comic books now that topic of embracing uniqueness is something that brings me personal joy because i think of niche areas of popular culture that which doesn't get mainstream attention however while being overlooked these pockets of entertainment arguably have more heart and passion behind them comics fan fiction, comic illustration, horror, pro wrestling, I don't care. All, all of these massive subcultures behind all of these genres are black people. We're there too. We're everywhere. We make digital communities and social currencies for ourselves so we can find each other and collaborate with each other, share joy with each other. Look at hashtag blurred. Like Black Nerd, right? If you haven't heard of that, oh my God. Go on Twitter, look at, at Black Girl Nerds. Check them out. Over 160,000 strong, 
a pop culture online publication and from the lens of nerdy black women. Give me a break. I'm all in. Take everything. Nerds of color, geek soul brother, shout out to you all for building, preserving, and guarding a space for us black nerds to break bread with each other so we can speak about these niche subcultures and these genres that that we don't actually want to be mainstream, right? Because it makes me think, is that always the goal? I don't think it has to be, right? Like we can be artists, we can contribute to a space, fulfill the intention of our works independently. And, and that, not necessarily, that doesn't have to look like a star on Hollywood Boulevard or that award or that blank, like whatever it is, right? That's what I love about us, is our originality. We define what success looks like for us, okay? Because we can create a space for ourselves in our own language, in our own codes, in our own shape to satisfy our own needs without having to rely on someone else to build it for us. Embracing our own uniqueness because I promise you, honey, you ain't alone. In our personalized, you know, custom glow, we can all shine together because let me tell you, I know that there are plenty of us that have our own independent passions and people can think that's weird or whatever, but hey, so what? It's me. Can I do me now? Thanks. (laughs) But I understand it's hard for black folks, fans and creatives and artists alike, because many of us aren't afforded the privilege to embrace a childhood dream, like drawing comics or designing video games or to be a pro wrestler or singing or music or anything in the liberal arts because our parents feared for us. The older generation, the generation that raised us, feared that we would not have economic stability in our future if we went to do something silly like draw or play music or sing or play basketball or whatever. That's a hard pill to swallow. And that is a big part of the conversation had in our featured guest for this episode, Miss Micheline Hess. This was such an amazing, upbeat, revealing conversation in which we talked about a lot of those aforementioned issues with topics. And you know what, I, it's funny, I first learned of, of Micheline in May during the New York Live Arts Digital Gala and the program that they hosted in May. Now they had a hybrid event that Cuck, that Crux, excuse me, um, co-produced and included in this was a live VR demo showcasing how she sculpts a 3D character entirely in VR. And she did this a part of a series of talks and programs called Altered Worlds, Black Utopia in the Age of Acceleration. Now, this badass is an independent comic book creator, also an accomplished digital painter with work that has been shown nationally at various art shows all year round. And one line that she actually said, and she has this on her website um, and within her bio, she says, quote, I am most adept at creating characters and stories that provide a safe and fun way to inspire young children, especially girls. Through colorful flights of of fun and fancy, I hope to encourage a stronger sense of self-love, friendship, and a hunger to embrace all the new and different in the world around them. Now that is most definitely what the world needs more of 
from conscious creators of color. So with no further delay, please enjoy our conversation with illustrator, digital artist, and comic book creator, Micheline Hess. Man, well, thank you so much for taking some time to talk to us. We, um, of course. I was thinking I, when we were producing this podcast and I was like, man, you know, we want to talk to everyone about about creative and media and definitely, you know, from the black perspective and, and looking at ways of, you know, how we call like flexing or unleashing black imagination. And Joanna and I had the opportunity of working with Blair for, um, you know, the live arts gala and, mm. and sitting in the background, I watched, we watched your panel and oh, cool. uh, what you were doing there. And I was like, what? <laughs> it was just, <laughs> it was just so beautiful because <laughs> the you. work that you were creating on the fly while having intellectual conversations that's the hard part it's just like what what (laughs) (laughs) each part of it what you were saying the insight in addition to the visual intelligence you were producing were both just equally pow pow and i was just like this i was blown away awesome yeah (laughs) i i was too and i it's mainly because i always thought that something like that would take you forever like, you know, in my mind, it is something that takes weeks and weeks and weeks. And yeah. here you are doing it in minutes. It did in the beginning. But then I, I started getting better at it because I started teaching myself. Um, I was I had already had a VR headset prior to quarantine and I was using Tilt Brush, which mm-hmm. um, is really, really. I, it's so hard to describe. It was such it was like a whole new game for me you know you can actually create environments around yourself to scale and that's what I would do and then I would walk through them with the headset on and record and it was just it was like a whole new way of storytelling you know and then um and then the about the the pandemic kicked off and uh and then I started learning gravity sketch and that was like a 3d poly modeling program um, I started getting better at it. I had already started dabbling, but at that point I was like, yeah, I have a little time. Let me like use this to quell the anxiety. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so then I realized I was only going to go too far because I have a Mac and anytime I try to do any kind of 3d on a Mac, it's just like, <sighs> you know, so, um, I took some money and I debated it for a while. Cause I was like, you know, do I spend this money on this? Do I spend it paying bills and buying food and things? Um, but I bought uh, a PC, you know, a gaming PC, and okay. I was able to really take it so much farther. So that uh, software I was using is uh, is Medium by Adobe, and um, yeah, it uses a PC to run it. Okay, there's so much you already said there, and I want to make sure that we're able to get into all of it because the 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 investment. Right. And I think for me, investment can be in so many different forms, right? Not only the financial aspect, but the mental patience part, right? The commitment. Some of those interfaces are just like, Right. And so there's a level of worth (laughs) or quality, right? Like, is this worth the investment of my time, sanity, patience, money, right? All of those things. And I think so many of us, particularly because of the pandemic, felt that that investment would be worth it because we're like, well, fuck, what else are we going to do? Shit. Like, I might as well learn something, right? So, (laughs) but then, um, and then I I guess I want to ask too, let's start like kind of with your background and how you got into 
in the arts and visual storytelling and, and artistry and like that. And then maybe the process that you went into, into making this investment right now, because was this an area that you've always wanted to tap into? Um, and so you decided this is the right and appropriate time to make those variations of, of investment. Um, so let's just kind of start at the beginning and, and how you got into, into the space of design and art. Well, long ago, eh, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> when I, well, when I was a kid, when I was like really, really young, like my first memory of drawing was actually drawing Ernie and Bert in a purple marker on the closet. Uh, and then I don't remember anything else after that. So I don't know if my mom walked in or what, but um, after she saw what I did, she started buying me. She was actually uh, in the uh, public education system. So she would bring me like colored paper and pencils and markers and, you know, all kinds of stuff. She never tried to, to really squash it. Um, and then as I was like in middle school, it was starting to become a problem because I would draw on everything, my notes, my homework, my desk, people's pants. Like, I mean, they would ask me, I wouldn't just come up. But yeah, you know, and so, so then she started sending me to the art students league to kind of give me an outlet and I would go there on Saturdays and, you know, they would, uh, teach me, uh, they would, they would have like a still life and they would have a model. So I was like naked man, weird, can't handle it facing this way. And I would just draw like flowers and, you know, <laughs> a tuba, whatever. And, uh, and it was actually really nice. I would go into the city by myself and, you know, it was a really, you know, have a little lunch break, play video games, whatever. And, and that helped a lot. Um, but I was really, really fortunate. My mom is, is West Indian and, you know, she's coming from the generation of like, you have to have a trade, you have to be a doctor or you have to be a teacher or you have to be this or that, like something that's solid, something that they understand and they can like brag to their friends about, you know? Um, so uh, so yeah, she could have really shut me down and she didn't, she always tried to, uh, you know, get me to museums or get me seeing foreign films. And then she, one day she brought home, uh, an art table, uh, that I had in my room and I, I still have it. And, you know, I, like I had to move it recently to, you know, <laughs> let the repairman come in. I was like, man, this thing is heavy. Like there was an Amazon back then. Like yeah. how the hell did you get this back home? Um, so, yeah, I've always been drawing and then, uh, you know, years passed um, and I, I got into uh, creating um, – well, I was doing color for I – was, I was working retail. I graduated from college. I was working retail, much to her chagrin. Uh, I was in the, the Guggenheim gift shop in Soho, which is now the Prada store, Circle of Life. Um, and, and so I found out that Milestone Comics was looking for colorists. And so Milestone does like static and they do icon and they do, uh, you know, all these really great comics that focused on people of color and black, you know, people, their stories and as well as having superpowers and things like that. And so I quit my job like almost immediately and I put a portfolio together and I kind of hung out in their doorway until they gave me a job. And that only lasted about a year because DC was kind of pressuring to take trying to take control of certain things and they ended up having to shut down and so i went back to retail but um long story short it was a very very weird kind of uh slow kind of walking to mordor kind of journey um and 
I started doing comics myself because I didn't want to get to a point where I was too tired or too arthritic to do comics. And I wanted to tell my own stories and I wanted to tell stories uh, that focused on, you know, brown people and on black people and 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 the kinds of things that I kind of wanted to see or I wished existed back then, you know, mm. looking back because I like comics and my my father introduced me to them. and He would bring back comics from his business trips but you know american comics back from that that day was like you know which wendy the witch and mm-hmm. casper the friendly goes and and richie rich you know which at the time was like wow this you know dog is covered with dollar signs that's so cute now it's just like uh, privilege so <laughs> yeah i wanted to do that kind of stuff and i started doing comics um and i i've been working at an ad agency you know using my skills and improving my skills to uh, you know, pay the bills. And, and it's, you know, it's been fun to find that uh, those skills, they exchange, they're interchangeable because so much of my understanding in the ad world, as far as like, uh, let, you know, typesetting and uh, composition mm-hmm. and all this stuff really lend themselves well to sketching out the pages and also laying out covers and other things like that, that you want to have, you know, have a certain effect on people. And then, um, I don't know where I saw something in VR. I think I might have actually seen a commercial on like YouTube or something for, for Tilt Brush, which was put out by Google. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, oh, my God. Because the brushes were incredible. These brushes are – you like brushing – you're painting with light basically. So there are some you know, brushes you use that actually emit light. There are some brushes that make like snowflakes. There's wow. brushes that are sound reactive. So if you're hooked into a player and you're playing music, those brushes will you know, vibrate in time to the music. Um, and uh, so I was like, okay, so I got a quest because at that time you didn't require a, uh, uh, a computer. It was like a, it was the first of its kind as a standalone headset. And I was able to run tilt brush and things like that. Um, and it was just all downhill from there (laughs) and it was really, Hmm? Oh no, I was just going to say, um, I love how you describe the support system that you got through your mom and accepting, you know, it's like, Oh, my kid's an artist. She likes to draw and just embracing that and exposing you to more and your father introducing you to comics and those things. Like, because like you said, and in your start that, Typically, you know, that generation of black parents want you to do a trade, right? Be a doctor, be a lawyer, something that they understand uh, as opposed to, you know, future and creative and expression and all of these, you know, very romantic things. Yeah, Yeah, they're like, huh? And I really (laughs) Who needs it? That's their attitude. Who needs that? They don't need a doctor. They don't need arts. Yeah. Right. That's the attitude. I definitely relate to that. Yeah. Same. Yeah, because it's the 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 fear that will be jobless. The fear like you want your you we're trying to set our children up to succeed. So why make it harder on yourself into going into an art form yeah. in that industry that can be fickle and I understand that and it's I know we both relate to that so much because my even just what we're into, right? Like I grew up loving pro wrestling. I still do. I have all my 80s cards still. I loved comics as well. I used to get Shadowhawk, Ghost Rider, okay. and Ren and Stimpy. Yeah, yeah. I still have them in their sleeves. <laughs> and my parents, I used, it was called Kemp's Comics and Cards. And I was like, how can we go to Kemp's? Like after school, like that was my jam. And he's like, all right, my kid's whack, but fine. She loves it. It makes her happy. And I was, I was a good kid. You know, I had good grades. Yeah. I never did anything bad. So they embraced my individuality 
And it's just a shame when we see far too often, especially in communities of color, where that's not an op- that's not an option, yeah. right? Because it's yeah. too stern on the, you know, get a trade, just get a high school degree, go out, do whatever you have to do to provide. And there's no luxury of being able to embrace your kid's right. creativity. It's yeah. really sad. You know, or they, they don't see, they don't recognize that I think people of color and black women in particular can create a product that is as seductive looking as something like Naruto you know, uh, I used to see that a lot when I would be at like uh, New York Comic Con and I'd be sitting there on the corner of a table, you know, and um, people, you know, you would see the dad come by and then the kid in tow and they would kind of glance at the table and then they would kind of pull them mm-hmm. on and you're like, well, wait, I'm doing mm-hmm. this for you. So, yeah. you know, sometimes you would see parents. I did a comic once called um, called the Anansi Kids and the All Saints Day Adventure and it takes place in the Caribbean. And, you know, there's been a couple of times where, like, someone's mom has been like, oh, my God, you got breadfruit in this oh. comic. We're buying this comic. You know, like, like, we're getting it. You signed the comic. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. We're signing the comic. Yeah. So, you know, that would happen every so often. But I think that the, it was harder as I got older with my parents because I think my father at one point expected me to kind of walk away from, like, cartoons and stuff and as i got older you know my mom was like yeah so you have a trade now right you know and she was trying to get me into like um different programs to you know get me to get a teaching certificate and things like that which at times i do look back on and be like hmm did i make a mistake but um yeah you know you just it's hard to sometimes feel like you're following your your path and then you know you, you like the person the people who are behind you sometimes they don't understand what you're doing you know, you can't be like, I'm creating these animated gifts that tell a story and they work with a poem and they're like, what? what? Yeah. So, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> so that. Yeah, because it's just such that shame, right? And I think, you know, maybe it goes into representation and those types of things, but just creating more of those touch points so people of color, children of color can see that this is a trade this is a profession you can follow you know these paths and it doesn't have to be so you know trade oriented and like assembly line go work at a factory make yeah. q-tips whatever it is but no there are options and we should be able to embrace our creativity whether that is as a skill and doing it ourselves but even just as a consumer just loving it being a fan of these right. things those spaces too are huge yeah. you know i work with the nonprofit black girl hockey club and it's amazing people are like black girls watch hockey yeah and they're like oh black <laughs> yeah. girls watch yeah. wrestling yeah and right. we were we were talking right before you came on about like the hashtags blurred you know for mm-hmm. like black nerds and uh-huh. black girl nerds and those types of things and it's like hell yeah it's like yeah. seeing more of those things are are fascinating and i think it it hopefully will accelerate into being much more of that embracing think, thing you know i think a lot of that is rooted though in economic instability a think, lot yeah. of that is rooted in and okay, we're poor. We didn't make any money. We don't have any money. I do not want you to be poor. It's fear and concern. Yeah. Also, yeah. that's attached to that for parents. Yeah. Because and I they think, don't want you to be without. They don't want you to, yeah. They don't want you to be suffering. They don't want right. you to be having to, you know, have it a hard time. And 
yeah, like at the same time, yeah, like there's a lot of privilege that's wrapped up in being able yes. to buy a headset. You know, right. it's, it's not something that every person can just pick up. Absolutely. So, you know, I think it's 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 important, you know, to an extent. I mean, I also want to like kind of enjoy myself and do stupid yeah. stuff. But yeah, like using that as a platform to kind of, you know, make messages and let people know that, that black people are out here in these spaces, you know, because representation in VR space and like every panel is, is, is a white person. And it's just like have black characters there, you know, uh, is also very important from the Afrofuturist aspect and, and, and representation, the importance of that, you know, no doubt. No, absolutely. Cause it's, the looking at art as a privilege is is hard, right? When like we were talking about that that because there's other priorities and you don't want to have that burden be placed on your kids, and so that there's that other there's that pressure, right? And mm-hmm. we see that in sports all the time. I remember when I was a kid too. I uh, I played alto saxophone, and I remember when we did the assembly, and the kids, you know, all the yeah. band directors came out, and they, I was like, I want that big gold motherfucker. Like I just was like, I want that dude. I want that. And then I like ran home, and I was like, Dad, there was an assembly, and there was this thing. I don't know. I want this one. It's gold. Yeah, it's like, then, yeah. The thing was that I didn't know because I was only nine. Was that my dad loves jazz, and grew up wanting to play the alto saxophone but his family was too poor and they weren't able to get him one. And me not knowing this, right? Cause I was nine years old and I was like, dad, I want to play the saxophone. And his eyes just lit up and almost started crying. Cause he was like, Oh my God, I've always wanted to do this. He never had a chance. He went and bought a brand new one. Wow. Just for me. Wow. When most other parents, you know, rented one or just told their yeah. kid to grab a stick wow. and deal with it. And, <laughs> but for some reason for me, he was like ran out, bought a brand new alto sax because he was like, I want to give you what I wasn't able to. Yeah. And he was like, and the fact that it's the same instrument right. Right, that he was passionate about, he was he couldn't have been more willing and I'm sure sacrificed, you know, whatever money-wise, you know, just to, yeah. he was like, you're going to get a brand new one. And I played my ass off. I was first chair forever. And he would, wow, would hit. It was so powerful, right? Yeah. And that's something in hindsight that I'm like, damn, that's, that's, that's crazy. Yeah, that's a sacrifice. Yes, wow. Uh, yeah, and I still have it. It's in my parents' garage now. <laughs> but it's and there. But I think that's incredible that it was the same, the exact instrument. same instrument. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. and wow. I did co- concert band, jazz band, but jazz was obviously the first thing. And then he was like, "Okay, you got to play Watermelon Man, okay? Because this is my favorite jam." And then <laughs> he went to every concert, front row, center, and that support. For every all all aspects of individuality, I know it's I'm privileged and I'm blessed in that. And yes. doing more, doing anything I can to help create that for others, because I was so spoiled and so blessed, but I was happy, I was fulfilled. I know yeah. now where I'm at. It's because I know if anything ever, you know, someone looked at me weird or whatever for a t-shirt or my, you know, watching wrestling still or whatever, I can say like, go fuck yourself. Because like my entire life, I know my people love me and that's all that matters. Right. But there's so many that don't have that. So in any work we can do, like with Crux and live arts and just showcasing how Mm -hmm. folks that look like us can be out there and anything to create more of those interactions. Right. So if anybody else sees an alto saxophone, if they want to do it, 
what can we do to get that kid an alto sax, right? Like, because you never know. That could be the next, you know, that could be the next Coltrane. Yeah. yeah. It could, yeah you never yeah. know. You never know. And so it's, and, and you that's know, why, even, even if that, if, even if they're not the next Coltrane, right? That opportunity to experience this is, it, it will matter in the end. Exactly. Yes. You know, yes. Um, everything that you do in life, it, it all adds up at the end Absolutely. to matter and something that you can contribute and infuse the further work that you do down the line. Yeah. So I, I think what you're saying about being that person to make that happen for people, I think that's what I want too. I think you just mm-hmm. help me figure that out. Yeah. And I think that is in all aspects of things that weren't, you know, under the social trope of what's black, right? Right, right. And there's there's so much of that shit. And especially, I think, when it comes to, like, science and creativity, just, like, those types of expression, you know, and VR and those things. And even in, in sports, it's it's that representation just does matter. I remember my brother didn't really – he's more of a boxing guy, but when I would watch UFC, and then he was like, how come there are no black girls? Like, how come there ain't no Keisha? Like, why is it always just Brazilians and blah, blah, blah? And I was like – Right. Uh, like, now there's only a couple, yeah. so I get it, you know? But it's, it's one of those things that that's where I hope – new media and and festivals like the comics and color that you were in before like those types of things will be able to just showcase that like we everywhere and we're allowed to be and we're allowed yes. to have you know passions and fun and and express ourselves and even if you got the saxophone or the tilt brush and you had crooked smiley faces even with all the tools and resources at least you tried something new you can still have new. fun doing it yeah and yeah. keep it moving and still just be able to have joy, fun, and opportunity. Yeah, you know, and um, there have been some really great events, well, prior to COVID. I'm sure they'll be back, but, you know, there's a <clears throat> there's a Black Comics Festival at the Schomburg, and mm-hmm. uh, I think they had to, like, last year, they had to extend it by a day because it was so packed. And it Yay. was really nice to see a lot of adults bringing their kids in there because they had a line outside the building. Um, you know, they'd come in and say, wow, you know, I didn't know that y'all were doing this kind of stuff. You know, um, and they're happy to get those books into their kids' hands because their kids are reading and they're seeing, you know, characters that are focused around them, how they look and their experiences and struggles and things. Yeah. yeah. I've done I've done the Schomburg Festival as well as the one at BAM. Oh, uh, nice. BAM Comic Expo. Um, and I go there primarily to support artists. Um, and just buy up whatever I can buy up with what I have. But it's always, like you said, I just get all smushy inside when yeah. I see the, the parents and the kids, everybody's hanging out and the characters. Yeah. Um, the artists interacting with people is beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. You got to check that out the next time you come to New York to me. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. sure. No <laughs> doubt. I, I'm a have to. Because, yeah, I've been to Comic-Con, you know, San Diego, and then even VidCon in, in Anaheim. And, yeah, I, well, this was the last time I think, shit, that was like 2017 or something. But, yeah, the the representation or the presence of artists of color always kind of lacking. And when we talk about cosplay and all these things, like, I, I, we know Black Panther helped revolutionize, obviously, like, all of that stuff. And yeah. we're seeing more and those conversations about like, oh, wow, never thought about it. You know, like a black yeah. superhero. 
and like, you're no still shit. having. Yeah, it's 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 kind of mind blowing, and it at the same time it's kind of frustrating in that mm-hmm. you know there's still a lot of uh, friends of mine that are getting you know hassled because they're cosplaying a white character, you know, by these people who won't even show their face in their you know profile picture on Twitter or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like shut up, you know. It's you know you know there's people who were just out there just living to inject some kind of venom into your experience. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's really important. And uh, um, happily, there's a woman named Regine Sawyer who created the Woman in Comics Collective, and she's played a really big part in working to make sure that we as artists get representation and opportunities. You know, not just to showcase our stuff, but also to make money. You know, here oh. and there. You know, um, so, yeah, I think it's also about trying to establish or maintain some kind of network of, you know, maybe it's not your parents because, you know, whatever, but maybe it's like these friends, this circle of friends who are cheering you on or helping you give advice, you know, or putting you in touch with people to talk to about this or that. Yeah. What was the name of that? Women, women in comics, uh, women Regine. in comics collective. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to um, make sure I look that up and Regine R E G I N E Sawyer S A W Y E R. Right on. Cause you know, when I was looking through some of your work after what I saw at the gala, there was that I'm pulling it up now. It's that 360 panoramic illustration you have. And the first one is the, like the black pilot in the spaceship. And oh, going around, <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is my jam. I'm just like, <laughs> I love it. Hoop earrings, curly fro, headset. She's like, man, I don't know where she's yeah. going, but I just love looking at this. And it's that was a amazing. lot of fun. Yeah, it looks amazing. It was. I love this. Thank you. Yeah, that, um, that's actually an iPad app, but I think it's available for android and pc and mac um this this guy basically single-handedly was creating this app called panel painter and i knew about it for a while but i was he said oh i'm bringing it to ios and like every other day i would be checking the the site like are you bring it to ios yet is it on ios <laughs> um and then finally he brought it to ios and i opened the software and i was like what the hell is this because it was all checkerboard and uh it's basically like you're drawing in a in a six-sided cube you know, so it really changes the way you have to approach building the piece. Um, yeah. But, yeah, once I got the hang of it, it was like I could see the matrix, you know, and I was like, oh, oh you know, I'm going to do this. And then, yeah, I thought it was a lot of fun to have like a, you know, like a, a West Indian, almost like a kind of a superhero, kind of an underdog superhero, you know. So, yeah, I did a bunch of, of series of that. It looks dope because I do want to ask about that. Like digital sculpting, I've seen right, and how this is being called when you have those multiple, like that matrix, right, that you call it, like yeah. those six cubes and just alternative ways of visual and illustration. So it's like, what's what is kind of your process of turning, you know, an idea into a story or or, or in, in writing about, or at least you know, creating that landscape um, when you're looking for like a visual medium or like a new thing like that, when you're like iOS, hurry up. So yeah. what's kind of your process and, and what comes out um, yeah. when given that kind of new palette? Sometimes you just spend a lot of time experimenting and, you know, you just kind of like Dexter's laboratory and, Oh, this works. Oh, this doesn't work. Oh, this blew up horribly. Um, and then, you know, you go online a lot and look on like Reddit and see who else is using it and what they're, processes um a lot of these applications don't come with 
really adequate um, documentation because like in the case of, of panel painter, it's literally just one guy. So, you know, he's doing the software and the update. So it's like, okay, I get it. Um, and then like with something like Quill, which is a, a drawing and animating uh, software for VR that's free, uh, it's got such a complex interface system because it's what it's allowing you to do is create characters in 3D and also animate them and do different things. And so when you first open up the software, there's this big image that greets you while you're standing there in VR space looking around. And it's like, your right controller does this and this and this and this and some of that and that and there. And your left controller. And I was just like, all right, close the software. Like I was getting a bloody (laughs) nose. Um, But then YouTube has been a huge help to me um, because a lot of the Quill community is very robust. Their documentation is eh, but their um, their visual documentation is just off the charts. They're always teaching new things, and they're teaching it for free. So once I learned how to import a browser window into that particular application, it made it possible for me to watch what was going on and, like, freeze it and look at it and then apply that to what I was doing. And so you just have to kind of start out really slow because, you you know, you start out and you're like, I'm going to do, you know, Martin Luther King on the front of the thing. And it's like, oh, I just made a circle, you know, and everything kind of falls apart. So you kind of have to, like, start really slow. Like, you know, I created a cube. Okay, I can paint the cube. All right, this is how I move the cube. And then you start to understand, like, how you can build onto that and go, you know, in any given direction. But, yeah, a lot of times, like, you know, I would post stuff and people would say, wow, you know, you, you learn this really fast. And it's like – yeah, you know, and I had like my face glued, gorilla glued to a screen for like, you know, 12 wow. hours or whatever, just trying to like understand something. So it definitely takes work, but it's really exciting to um to learn how to create like in a different visual language too. You know, the interface is so different. The way you're operating in 3D space is so different. I think it, it must be... uh you know, must have like benefits for your brain, I think, um, because you're kind of learning, triggering, you must be triggering new pathways to learn some of this stuff, you know, and plus just standing upright and not like falling over, you know, when you have the headset on. It's, it can yeah. Be, yeah. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned Quill because that's the one that I've been thinking about after I saw Multicolor Verse, a Multiverse Bakery or something. Oh, like the that. bakery. Yes. After I saw that, I was like, oh, my God, I want to do this. Meanwhile, I cannot draw anything. (laughs) You know, I cannot, I literally cannot draw anything. But I somehow feel that it would benefit me anyway to uh, play around with it. As a storyteller and a filmmaker, I think it it would benefit me. So I do have that on my list of things. Yeah. And now you're definitely pushing me in that direction. You know, the the really nice thing about Multiverse Bakery, too, is that as far as the characters and things, they're actually very simple. You know, if you're staring at them for a while, you're like, oh, well, the ears are like two cones and the head's a circle and the eyes are just two little pweep. You know what I mean? Right. So once you kind of get comfortable creating things and putting things together, you begin to kind of open, you know, it opens up your mind and you're like, you know, I can see everything now. And, you know, 
but you still have to go slow. Like there's another really good video called the remedy, um, which is like a short story. And what's great is that the people who made it have all kinds of videos on YouTube about, uh, how they did it and how they used Quill. Cause Quill was originally created for the purposes of story, like robust storyboarding. And that was kind mm-hmm. of it. Um, and I think it was one studio that literally created this software just for that. And when they saw, when they released it and they saw what people are doing they were like, Hey, you know, and I mean, it's free. So, man. Know. Yeah. I had a question for you about um, Diary of a Mad Black Werewolf. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you wouldn't mind sharing with us, I mean, clearly your your message in this book, this is a very obvious and strong one. It's at the forefront. But could you share with us your process of yeah. the, uh, ideation moving forward? Absolutely. Um, that, so Inktober, do you you guys know about Inktober? No. Okay. So Inktober is something, it's a social event, like a social media art event that happens every year. And it started out very small, but now it's become huge and it's sponsored by Blick and Wacom and everything. Um, but, uh, what, what would happen is it started out as one guy's pledge to creatively push himself every day of the month of October and so now what they do is uh, just before October, they release uh, a list of 31 prompt words um, that are just totally random. And for each day, you make a drawing that you associate with that word, like your concept of that particular word. And then you post it on Instagram and Facebook and you post the hashtag for the word and Inktober 2020, whatever, you know. And it's a really nice way to... Um, at the very least, network and find out about other artists that are doing really cool stuff. And you can like win prizes if, you know, your stuff is like really strong and gets a a good response. So Inktober was coming up and I was, I have a hard time sticking with it for the full 31 days. You know, I start and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to, you know, and then it's like squirrel and I'm running (laughs) off to do something else. So, um, I was talking to my hygienist and I was like, yeah, I don't, you know, October's coming up. I don't know if I'm going to do it. And she said, you should go for it. And I said, yeah, you're a little more. <laughs> so, uh, so I decided the way I would stay in with, with it and be consistent was by making a story out of it. And so I took the 31 words when they released them and I started kind of like parsing them, like kind of breaking it down and looking at ways that, you could take these random words and make a coherent story that actually flows nicely together and feels like a story. Um, And I wanted to, I decided I was just going to use it, you know, most of the, up until that point I was doing like a lot of kids comics and kids adventures and things that were very safe. And I wanted to do something that was just a lot more raw and visceral, not just in terms of the subject matter, but also uh, from a visual standpoint, like I wanted to draw like guts and things like that. So, um, so yeah, I took my feelings about, you know, police brutality and, you know, Philando Castile and, you know, I mean, everybody, Brown Taylor, you know, it just, it, it just seemed like every other day something was happening that, Mm -hmm. you know, people were getting away with like that. Um, you know, Botham Jean and it, and it, it's just infuriating, um, you know, and it's like, wow, you know, it, it's kind of sad that I'm, I'm, 
I'm thinking to myself, wow, like what would it take to hold people like this accountable? Uh, it would literally take like a superpower or some kind of, you know, mythical creature that just can't be destroyed by conventional means. And werewolves have always been my, my favorite movie monster. So I figure I would use that. And, you know, so I created this concept of the Protea clan and the, the Protea is a, is a, a type of flower, you know, and it's named after the Greek God. I don't know if it's a God or it was a Titan, but Proteus, you know, who is like a, and the, the plant is like a symbol of um, transformation and, and renewal, you know? So I made that the sigil of their, their clan and they go out and they look for, you know, white people who are being Karens, you know, calling the cops for no reason. They're looking for, mm-hmm. you know, cops that abuse their power and get away with it. And they, you know, I, I, I really had a lot more ideas, but I also wanted the pacing to be, to, you know, to be tight, you know, because it's basically, I'm posting an image every day with text because I'm, I'm, you know, I would create these little thumbnails and I would write some text or I would think about it, you know, um, and, and then I would put them together and people responded really, really well. So people were like, are you going to collect this? Are you going to make it into a book? And I was like, oh, it's just having to have a good time. Like, Ugh. Uh, but then I was like, okay, why not? You know, who knows what could come out of that? So, um, yeah, I, I laid it out using InDesign and I used Photoshop and I created promos and I had it printed. I had it coming back from the printer just in time for, um, for a talk that I was going to be a part of at uh, the Apollo. And then the Schomburg Comic Fest was like just after that. Um, so, yeah, it was great. People really responded to it well. And, you know, I sold a bunch and, and people related to it very well. Like they're like, yeah, you know, I, I get this. This speaks to me. Um, so it was a very successful experience all around. You know, I got to freak people out on the subway you know, using my iPad to draw someone's exposed pancreas. And, um, you know, it was a really good story. I enjoyed it. And I, I really enjoy the characters I created too, you know, who are all named after women who were killed, you know, by police violence. Wow. Just looking at the the pictures of this, I know I love it too. Like the, the Bantu knots and the door knocker earrings. Like it just, mm-hmm. it, it feels so relevant and now with the context of you know where the idea and the concept comes from it's it just makes it that much more powerful and there's just something about drawing guts sometimes right it's a different <laughs> you know, when like, you go from yeah like the burden earning children all moist over there yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like look this is a pancreas See? <laughs> like i just i i'm gonna buy the shit out of this immediately because i yeah i I enjoy looking at. I'm a, I'm a horror fan anyway. And oh, good. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I I just love that. So I'm like, ooh, like <laughs> socio political horror. Like I've never heard of that. And that's some. That's yeah. I know that's going to be my jam. And that can that should and can be. I think its own. Yeah, like its own prominent like subgenre within within that context. You know, it's more conscious. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. Lovecraft Country was really good for that too. Yeah. You know. When I saw that, I was like, oh, my God, like, mm-hmm. incredible. Um, Ironically, I found myself drawn to horror uh, as one that sat like this, <laughs> like, with my hands <laughs> over my eyes. 
And there are still some things that I do this. Yeah. Right. I'm more like psychological um, sort thriller. of horror, um, okay. thriller sort of person. Um, but it, it, it's really interested me that you uh, formed the story around this. Um, and I, I have a question for you then, the follow-up question to that is as an artist, like how do you keep focus, ignore the noise, you know what I mean? There's always noise that surrounds us as yeah, artists. Yeah. And, and how do you, how, what are the tools that you use to just block that noise out and stay focused on the intent of your work and centering your characters and what your intent is? Mystery Science Theater. Um, I, you know, the thing is, I don't, a lot of people think that I would watch, like, horror, uh, like, I would watch superhero movies, or I would watch a lot of mainstream anime, because, you know, I kind of straddle those kind of realms. Um, But the fact is that, I watch really weird stuff. Like I basically will have something going on the TV just constantly. uh, And I won't watch it because I've probably already seen it 80 million times. So like a lot of forensic shows, a lot of like true crime stuff. Yeah. I just like forensic files. That's my jam. Really weird. Like I'll be in bed and it'll be dark. And you know, the, the, the narrator will be like, they found it. One pubic hair in the <laughs> and I'm like, oh. I you do know? the same uh, thing, and my friends are like, "That's why you have nightmares, trick." Like you yeah, dream yeah, about like, the skulls being found in the kitchen. Like right. that's why you trip in someone's basement. <laughs> um, I don't. Yeah. So I, I've I I tend to really just narrow my focus quite a bit, um, and have that kind of stuff. Or like I was saying, mystery science theater is is really great because it's it's helped me in a lot of times when I was just de- really depressed or stressed out. There's something very soothing about and comforting about watching those movies. They're crappy movies. The jokes are funny, you know. I'm write that down. Yeah. Um so they had like different eras, but I'm a I'm a real fan of the Mike Nelson era. So yeah, you know, you'll see some movie about like giant spiders, but they keep making these jokes and it's it's I don't know, it just it really helps kind of like calm me down um right now i'm i'm up acting as a primary caregiver to my mom as well who now has vascular dementia and that's been such a wild ride like trying to get her doctors to do something you know and they're like you know there's no cure for that you know you know and it's like really um trying to oh, find new God. doctors like trying to manage her financial affairs and then you know, um, and make sure she's safe and she's okay, uh, really ramped up my anxiety to like an almost profound level. Uh, so at that point I actually got on anti-anxiety medication and that really changed my life. I, I feel like in retrospect, I needed it a lot sooner than just this. Um, because it's, it's really put a nice clamp down on all the other noise, you know, especially in the morning as I'm waking up, 
Uh, I would used to have these things. I, I call them dread thoughts. And it's basically the ability for something completely benign. So like, wow, I didn't brush my, my teeth last night. And then it ends up going to a place where it's like, and then I'm going to be toothless and a meteor is going to hit the earth. Like, it's total, you know, and I'd be in there in bed, like trying to fight it. But it's exhausting. And now I can just wake up like a normal person and be like, Oh, I have to do this and I have to do that today. So it's been a real game changer that and and getting back into like a fitness oriented thing where I'm working out a little more because over quarantine, I was incredibly sedentary. Um, And now it's like a standard like commute to work's level of energy expenditure is just like, wow, that was really, you know, and I'm taking like naps and things. So, you know, (laughs) Um, That's such a – the three of us are all in that exact same yeah. position. We're, before we were – yeah, like I've been in charge of my father who was in the hospital like two days ago and is now in a sniff, like one of those extent skilled nursing inpatient facilities mm-hmm. right now. And so me being in charge, like his primary caregiver, Joanna, the same thing, kind of like with her mother and – same thing with me too, like with therapy and not having the gym over the last year and a half was like so huge. And I, yeah. and then even this morning, like the littlest thing, you know, can tip me off, you know, as you were talking about with like brushing your teeth, like for me, like I had just moved. So I was downloading the ESPN app on the fire stick and it wouldn't work. And I was like, that's why you ain't shit. You ain't, you can't have the, this, you don't deserve ESPN. You know, your neighbor. And I'm like, yeah. And it's like the new neighbor right. really yeah. can't, is upset she can't watch sports center this morning. It's like, but literally it's like the dumbest thing can, yeah. it, it's so, it's so just, odd and shared at the same time that when it's not one thing it's 8,000 and how to just I don't know how to deal how to be how to manage and relegate it's one of those hour by hour kind of things sometimes where it's what I need today is yeah yeah what I need right now is very different than what I needed last night and probably will be different what I need this night coming forward you know it's Right. I think recognizing that or at least accepting that is has been like the biggest part for me too. And and in taking anti anxiety meds myself too. It's like mm-hmm. it's okay that it's going to look different because I yeah. guess I wanted uniformity in something that is life, which is totally so not spinning out of control. So Right. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, moving towards art has been very therapeutic. Um, because, you know, you put this headset on and you have music playing and it's like a complete isolation, you know, mm-hmm. where you can then be in total blackness and you can create a house. You know, one of the things I first made was like a, a, a clubhouse for witches and I filled it with, um, you know, potions and little mice and little scrolls everywhere and things like skulls. And, you know, uh, it's it, it kind of gives you like a sort of feeling of control when you don't feel like you have any control, it's like I'm in this space mm. and I'm creating this comic or this sculpture, you know, you have total control over it and it's your thing, you know? So, um, That's yeah, true. recently I've been into, uh, uh, I discovered King spray, which is a lot of fun. Cause you can, it's like a, a virtual graffiti simulator. So it gives you different locations like the, the subway station or oh. place or that place. And you can literally just paint, you know, and and don't have to worry about getting arrested. 
Um, so it's very cool or mugged or, you know, accosted, you just kind of, and you know, yeah, it's, it's a great way to just kind of just push everything away. It just push everything out for a little while, which we all need. Yeah. You you both have given me something to think about. Um, because I tend to internalize and then it expresses itself physiologically to me. Yeah. 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 I internalized yeah. for a long time prior to getting therapy a while back. And when you look back, you realize like, wow, I'm holding in so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's huge. It's huge. huge. No, for yeah. real. So maybe Quill you. can help me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, Quill, you know, I would start with Tilt Brush. Unfortunately, um, Google, has, Google has has stopped, has abandoned it. So you can you can use it, but they're not, um, you know, Updated. supporting that platform yeah. anymore. But I think I think you would really like Tilt Brush. Start with that because if once you if you start out with the Quill interface, it's going to put you off. Like really quickly. I mean, it might not, but I'm just, it, 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 yeah. That one had the steepest learning curve of anything I've, I've picked up so far. You know, it might just be good to just kind of play because you can put up fog and you can change lights and you can be in space and tilt brush. It's so amazing. I can't, I can't thank you enough for taking some time out. I know we could keep going and going, but I want to yeah. be cognizant of your time and stuff. This has been such a fascinating, just a dope, shared awesome conversation i agree um but is there anything you've got going on or that you want to share or plug and like how can folks find um get in contact with you and see some of your work um you can go i'm most active on instagram and consistent with posting artwork so uh mishmash arts uh m-i-c-h-m-a-s-h-a-r-t-s and uh yeah everything that i have going on i'll post on there because right now my mind is completely blank and i know there's something that i'm going to wake up about later and have another you know um so yeah yeah go to my instagram and check it out and mishmash arts is also the handle for my uh, youtube channel awesome can your books and comics be bought there on the website you can buy my books and other fine products at mm-hmm. uh mishmasharts.com And there you have it. That is our conversation with Micheline Hess. I told you that was an amazing conversation, and I hope you all enjoyed it as well. We really did go on for quite a bit longer, um, and we could probably continue going on. So we're definitely uh, thank her for um, joining us, and we will definitely keep in touch and have her back on and keep you in the loop of all of her new latest ventures and when she's going to be speaking again and other places where she'll be appearing and her latest works. So please make sure that you follow her on Instagram, Twitter, um, at Mishmash Arts and keep up with her work, buy her work. Cause these are my jam. <laughs> I'm telling you that diary of a mad black werewolf. Take my money take it all so make sure you go to her website look at her comics that she wrote and illustrated all herself mishmasharts.com that is m-i-c-h-m-a-s-h-a-r-t-s.com all of this will be in the description box as well so thank you again 
Mitch Mesh for coming on Cast and sharing so much vulnerability and inspiration and because again this whole theme of like embracing uniqueness and exploring new forms of expression through comics illustration and fan art and and tilt brush and digital sculpting like all of this shit is just fascinating and and black people we're we're everywhere and we can have joy and we need to just do what we can to not only take care of ourselves because um you know as you heard in this episode there was a lot of personal information we shared as well about anxiety and you know family and you know life goes on and it's always a lot harder for us when we're trying to balance all of these things and all of these really complicated and really complicated things you know like shit's heavy you know and so making sure that we take care of ourselves first and foremost and being good to ourselves even mentally and giving us giving ourselves the space to feel as we feel and find healthy ways to unwind relax um and just express ourselves and what what those things are you know it can be forensic files it can be um it, it, or it could be illustrating just drawing reading anything we have to do to unwind unplug make sure we take care of ourselves and put our health and well-being first and foremost as well um so again thank you mish for coming on um we'll again have all of this stuff in the description box and also let me take this time to shout out germano Toussaint. Thank you. He is the composer, arranger, and musical producer who provided us music for this episode. The song that you've been hearing throughout this episode is his latest single titled Having a Party featuring Michael Michelle Lynch. So info will be in the description box for where you can check out the music video for that song and how to access that single on iTunes, Spotify, all the places you listen to words. So please do that and show Germano some love and also all the independent black artists out there, okay? So if you are a black musician, artist, composer, or you have a friend that can sing a tune, shout them out. Let us know. Holler at us at CruxXR on Instagram and on Twitter, or shoot us an email, info at crux.black, and let us know because we want to showcase independent black artists. So if you have a friend with a song that wants to get, um, that you'll let us show some love to, then hit us up for sure, okay? And also, just in general, if you haven't linked with us on our Mighty Networks digital community, what are you waiting for? Community.crux.black. That is where you can link up with us. We have got a strong network here, and it's growing and growing and growing. So on this network, not only are we sharing job opportunities, resources, grants, we're finding ways to collaborate with each other. We are introducing each other to everyone it's just art it's a space for us black creatives bipoc lgbtq plus we are all here we're all conscious and we are sharing information about black business news what we can do and so forth and on that note also let me make sure i plug uncon this is coming up this is coming back and what is uncon you say it returns this year and it, we, you know, we took 2020 off as everybody pretty much did, but it returns this year to empower discussion, collaboration, and action towards building ownership and opportunity for black artists in XR and beyond. This ain't your typical conference, okay? <laughs> That's why it's called Uncon. We're not doing that same copy and paste schedule stuff, all right? We've got some fabulous sponsors, but this four-day retreat, black creatives, activists, artists, thinkers, doers, all around dope people, okay? 
we are gathering and we're gonna we're gonna chop it up we're gonna break bread we're going to talk. We're going to write down topics, trends, subjects, projects that we're interested in. You can showcase work that you've done in XR or beyond traditional entertainment. Don't matter. We will make the agenda while we are there. This event is taking place September 19th through the 22nd of this year, and it will be at a dope resort in Santa Ana Pueblo, New Mexico. So please um, make sure that you hit us up. Um, I will have links in the description box for how you can find more information on what we're going to be doing at UnCon and how to register. So please make sure you check that out and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at CruxXR, same handle on both. Join our digital community to make sure that you are staying up to date with the latest information that we've got going on. And make sure that you like and subscribe to the podcast because we've got a couple extra episodes coming up this season to round it out. And I can't tell you how excited I am for the last two episodes that we have for this season. So make sure you keep it locked. Thank you for listening. Tell a friend and be well.